Well, good morning, City Light. I love that song. I hope those three things are true about us forever, right? That we have an unswerving faith, a heart that beats for his kingdom, and that we are known as a place where his presence dwells. May those three things mark us as a church. Well, happy Father's Day to all my fathers out there. Hope you are having an awesome day. Uh, yesterday was awesome. We enjoyed some time together, some coffee and donuts and whatnot. Pie, that was my main request, was that we would have pie to celebrate fathers. I love chocolate pie. But as an extra special thing to celebrate on Father's Day, uh, last week, last Thursday, we celebrated two baptisms. Uh, we caught them on video, the first baptisms we've done during quarantine. Uh, and by God's providence, we were able to do it outside here at the church. So I want you to go ahead and see uh, two of our active participants at City Light Church following the Lord now and getting baptized. Excited for them. So check out this video and let's celebrate with them. My name is Brendan Blood. Before Jesus, I lived as if there were no consequences to my actions. I was a horrible sinner. I was selfish, prideful, arrogant, rude, disrespectful, lustful, a liar, a drug dealer, and a thief. Then one day, at a funeral, two of my friends were debating the reality of Jesus. Up to this point in my life, I'd never thought about what happens after death, who Jesus is, and whether or not the claims about him are true. But my need for a savior is so great that before the conversation was over, I was arguing in favor of Jesus. God is faithful. He has satisfied my soul. And so today, I confess in the church and to all the world that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. My name is Morgan Blood. Before Jesus, I was lost. I found myself searching for meaning or something to fill my heart, but nothing could truly satisfy I looked for it in relationships, my accomplishments, hobbies, and different spiritual practices. I traveled the world to find myself, but still came up short. The most beautiful places and things could not fill the longing in my heart. I knew there had to be more to life. In the summer of 2015, I met a guy who was bold and passionate and had energy unlike anything I'd seen. He had something inside him that was unmistakably different than most people I knew. I quickly found out that it was the love of Jesus, and I wanted that in my life. For so long, I had denied Jesus, not even being open for conversation about him. But I was intrigued and wanted to learn. He got me my first Bible, and I dug into scripture and read countless books, expecting to find reasons not to believe. Instead, it was the opposite. I was overwhelmed and in awe of who Jesus is and what he has done for me. I knew I needed him in my life. I no longer search for my identity in temporal things. I know my identity is in Christ. I'm a daughter of a king. I'm chosen. I'm loved. I'm forgiven and a citizen of heaven. I know. I now know that I was made for something more than this world could ever offer. Today, I confess in the church and to all the world that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. <laughs> Two questions. Yeah. Number one, do you believe Jesus has done everything necessary to save you? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And are you willing to go wherever he wants you to go and do whatever he wants you to do? Yes. I do. I do. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I baptize you. Buried with Christ, raised to walk in a new life. Yeah! yeah! Buried with Christ, 
and raised to walk in a new life. All right, that's incredible. Uh, what a privilege it was to be a part of that with them. That's Brendan and Morgan Blood, part of City Light Church. Uh, I had the privilege of uh, being the person to marry them and just kind of watch the Lord work in their life. So we rejoice in that. Uh, we had some staff and some interns here to make sure that the body was here, but we wanted to catch that on video for you. Uh, as the Bible teaches us that we get baptized into the body of Jesus, and we want to make sure that we can all rejoice. So if you're at home, clap your hands, celebrate, give somebody a high five or whatever it is. Uh, let's celebrate what God's doing in their life. And I also want to say, if you are interested in being baptized, we are finding a way to do it and make it happen and to be able to have some church people present and also record it so we can include everybody in on it. So if that's something that the Lord is calling you to do, or a step you haven't taken yet, or you've recently become a believer in Jesus and you want to take that step of obedience, please reach out to us. We would love to help you do that safely and excitedly, all right? So today, uh, we're in our third part of our Love Your Neighbor series. We've talked about the first thing was we need to level out, right? Everybody's a little unbalanced. We all need to level out. We're going to level out by taking five action steps. The second part was last week, and we talked about we can't love our neighbor if we show partiality. And so we need to learn to not show partiality and to not play favorites. This is so important for us. Uh, this series is so important for us, not just because of what's going around in the world, uh, not just because of the issues that are present, it certainly includes that, but also because of the mission that God sent us here as City Light Church. What did God send us here to do but to be a light in the darkness? And one of the things that we have to learn continually to do well is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so we want to help equip, train, teach through the Bible, help all of us get a little bit better to understand what Jesus means when he says this and how can we do this well. As we talked about, this is going to require deep internal and external work. It's going to require personal repentance and public ministry. It's going to require us to really search ourselves and to see what God is doing in our hearts and our lives and to follow God wherever he is calling us to go. So today I wanted to combine our learning on love your neighbor with the reality that it's Father's Day. And this is actually working out great because the Bible does this for us. And so here's a little sentence for us that are going to combine these two occasions uh, into one thought and principle that we see from the scriptures. I want you to write this down. It's our thought for the day. Get your pen out. All right, join me. Ready? We will love our neighbor well when we see them as the Father does. That's it. Very simple, but significant for us. We will love our neighbor well when we see them as the Father does. So now I'm going to run through some scriptures, uh, five to be precise, and I want you to track with me on a common theme, all right? I won't reveal it to the end, but if you're listening and paying attention, you'll catch it before then. So let me read five scriptures. You probably won't be able to keep up flipping through your whole Bible, but you can see it on the screen. At least write down the reference maybe in your notes. Luke 15, 17 through 20, this is uh, part of the story of the prodigal son. So we all know, right, or many of you who know the scriptures uh, know the story of the guy who leaves his father, takes his inheritance, squanders it on all these terrible things. Now he's poor and hungry, and this is the point at which he's at. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise. I will go to my father. I will say to him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he arose. He came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. This is a picture we get of how God feels about us. Mark 6, 34, talking about Jesus. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The parable of the Good Samaritan that we've looked at many times, this is how it begins. We're going to do about half of it right now. But he, desiring to justify himself, this is the guy who gets in an argument with Jesus basically, says, Who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him this story. He replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him. And they departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, right? A local pastor, right, was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, another leader in the religious realm, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Colossians 3.12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. So I'm sure you figured it out by now. Okay, say the word with me, the word we see over and over again. It's compassion. Compassion. Compassion is the word that's prevalent in these scriptures. And compassion is what we see and learn about the Father's heart towards us. I like how connected this is to the moment of sight. This is God's first instinct. On the moment of sight, what does it say? He sees compassion. When the father saw his son, he had compassion on him. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on him. When the good Samaritan saw the man, he had compassion on him. That what happens when we begin to follow God is he changes the way that we see. And we learn to start with compassion. So that's my first question for you, honestly, is what do you see? What do you see when you look at people? What do you see when you look at someone that's from a totally different way of life than you? What do you see when you look at someone who you may not understand? Like, what do you see when you see someone in certain positions in life? Like, what, what do you see? What's the first thing that you see when you see someone troubled and in anguish around you? What's the first thing that you see when you see someone begging on the sidewalk, what's the first thing that you see? What do you see? What I want for us to learn to do to love our neighbor well is to see people like the Father does. Now clearly the Father sees us lots of ways, and we could use lots of words, but it's so interesting how this one seems to stand out and how it helps actually draw a straight line. The reason I did those particular scriptures was because it draws a straight line from the way God teaches us, he views us, right, through the prodigal son, to the way we see that revealed in Jesus, his own life, to the way he viewed the crowds, to the, how the scriptures teach us how the Father thinks in Psalms, then to the Good Samaritan story where we learn how to behave like Jesus, to have compassion, and then to the very direct command to God's people to put on compassion. 
When we learn to see the world as Jesus does, we're going to see with compassion. When we love our neighbor well, we're going to see them as the Father does. So we need to learn as a church, as a people, as individuals to start with compassion. So write that down and turn to your neighbor and say, start with compassion. Start with compassion. Tell your kids, start with compassion. Tell your friend, start with compassion. Text somebody, start with compassion, all right? Start with compassion. This is what we're after. We want to start with compassion. And now just think about this with me. If compassion's the word that we see described as the Father's heart towards people, and then compassion's one of the main ways that we are supposed to see and treat other people, think about in your life how much compassion changes everything. Right? When you have compassion for the person in front of you, that changes your perspective. If you have compassion for someone, you don't judge them by their bad side. No. Right? When you have compassion for someone, you can know the worst about them and still assume the best and love them. When you have compassion for someone, you're ready to forgive their mistakes. When you have compassion for someone, you're willing to welcome them back no matter what they have done. When you have compassion for someone, you assume the best. When you have compassion for someone, you are eager to sacrifice on their behalf. Compassion changes everything. Compassion is so important for us. And for those of you who have kids or have ever taken care of kids, right, you begin to understand how much compassion is the element that helps you get on their level, right? So every kid that I, I know of, and I'm experiencing this more, you know, with my own, treats Band-Aids like lollipops or something, like Band-Aids, like boxes and boxes and boxes of Band-Aids go through the crew house. It's just like a fix-all for everything. You just hurt your feelings, here's a Band-Aid. You know, like whatever it is, here's a Band-Aid. You're sad about something, here's a Band-Aid. No matter what happens, my kids think a Band-Aid fixes everything. They'll stub their toe, I'll look at it, be like, there's no cut, there's no blood, and they'll be like, I need a Band-Aid. And what compassion does, right, as I don't sit there and argue with him and say, no, bro, you don't need a Band-Aid. You don't, that's silly, you don't need a Band-Aid. Why are you acting like that? What does compassion do? It says, hey, if a, if a Band-Aid will make you feel better, man, you don't have a cut and you're not bleeding. But if a Band-Aid will make you feel better, I will get up and go to the bathroom and find you a Band-Aid. And I'll find the one that you like, the Spider-Man one, you know. I'll find the one that you like and I'll put it on you, even if there's no problems. Compassion leads me not to argue with my child about whether he's really hurt or not. Compassion leads me to act in a way that is merciful towards him. And this is true throughout so much of life. Think about how much just a spirit of compassion would change the conversations you're having now. When we talk about people's perspective on racism or people's experiences with the police or different things that are happening in the world around us, if instead of arguing with what people said, we started with compassion and just said, I hear you and your experience, I hear the things that you are saying, I see the trouble in your heart, and instead of arguing with your position, I want to start with compassion. And that applies to what we're seeing in life around us. That applies to 100 million situations that we'll face with our friends, with strangers in the community, with people from all different walks of life, that we progressively need to become more like Jesus and grow in our instinct to start with compassion. Compassion changes the way you deal with your kids. Compassion is what controls your frustration. 
Because you have compassion, you're able to exercise self-control because compassion is the greater force. Compassion is what enables you to give people second chances. Compassion is what allows you to not treat people as their sins deserve. Right? Compassion is what endears you to your teenager as they rebel against you. It's compassion. Compassion is the reason you're happy to have them back in the house, even though they're crazy. Compassion. It's the compassion that's hardwired in you towards those that you love naturally that the Lord wants to supply to you supernaturally to those you don't know. It's the type of compassion that comes naturally to you to those in your inner circle that the Lord wants to create for you for those in your outer circle. The Lord wants to give us supernaturally that kind of compassion. He wants to give us the kind of compassion that makes us selfless. The kind of compassion that's happy to take care of a crying kid at 3 a.m. because they had a nightmare, even though you're tired. That kind of compassion that becomes so instinctual to us in the realm of parenthood at so many levels that we can apply in other ways in our life. This is the kind of compassion God is after. If we want to love our neighbor well, we have to see them as the Father does. And this means we start with compassion. We start with compassion. Now I want to show you from the rest of the parable here of the Good Samaritan that compassion is what leads to action. Okay? We want to be an active church. We want to be a light in the darkness. We want to make a difference. And it's compassion that leads to action. And when we try to force action without creating compassion in our hearts, we're actually going to disobey God even as we move forward to do something that we think is nice for someone else. Because God says multiple times in his word, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So for you to go live sacrificially without developing a heart of mercy means you miss the point. And so what we need to make sure that we're growing in as we move forward to make a difference in the world is that the mercy and the compassion are what is leading us into action. So let me, let's finish the Good Samaritan story. Uh, so he saw him, right? He was compassionate. And then what did he do? He went to him, verse 34, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, he gave them to the innkeeper. So now you got money, time, investment. And he said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now he said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, very simply, you go and do likewise. He saw with compassion, and that is what led him to action. Won't you write this down? We will only show mercy when we see with compassion. An act of mercy starts with an attitude of compassion. We will only show mercy when we see with compassion. We will only show mercy in action, right? When we see with compassion, an act of mercy an act of being a light, an act of being kind, an act of being gracious, an act of providing, an act of listening, an act of help, an act of mercy starts with an attitude of compassion. We must start with compassion. So in the midst of these days and as we move forward in life, trying to be a good neighbor to those around us here in this area, in Falls Church, to those near us, to those across the world, to those in our homes and in our neighborhood, we need to learn to listen, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. 
As we said last week, or two weeks ago, that proximity creates empathy, so we learn to get close to those that we're not normally around, to learn to understand their viewpoints, how they see the world, their experiences. We learn to get close to the marginalized and the mistreated, to the poor and the oppressed. We learn to get close to those who are from other places and backgrounds than us, because that creates compassion and empathy. As Colossians 3.12 says, we put it on. Right? In the same way I get dressed in the morning, that I put this blue shirt on for Father's Day, all right? In the same way, right, that I wore a collared shirt for Father's Day, that's how much I respect all you fathers out there, all right? I took time and effort to wear a collared shirt today, so y'all should feel loved and appreciated. In the same way that we're intentional with what we put on in terms of our clothes and all of that, we put on compassion. It takes effort and intentionality. You will not, I will not, we will not become more compassionate by accident. I'm not just going to fall into it and be like, wake up one day and be like, oh, yeah, I see people with more compassion than I did yesterday. So I want to encourage you to get dressed that way, to put it on. So remember, we love our neighbor well when we see them as the Father does. So here's something else for you to write down. This is so important. Therefore, if you meditate on God's compassion for you, you will move in compassion for others. We will love our neighbor well when we see them as the Father does. Therefore, if we meditate on God's compassion for us, we will move in compassion for others. It's the meditation that creates the movement. I think often a lack of compassion in us is a sign that we've forgotten God's compassion for us. A lack of compassion in us towards others is usually a sign and a symptom of the fact that we have simply forgotten the great compassion that God has for us. We haven't thought about it, meditated on it, been thankful for it, enjoyed it, read the scriptures about it, talked to people about it. We haven't enjoyed and thought about it. And so now we're not moving in compassion for others because we're not meditating on God's compassion for us. We cannot give that which we have not received. And so we want to receive God's compassion for us. And in light of God's compassion to us, I want to real quick address some of you who are far from God or some of you who may simply have forgotten that God is compassionate towards you. I don't know what messages you heard. I don't know what state you're in right now. I don't know how badly you feel about yourself or how other people have treated you. I don't know what you think about how God views you, but I want you to know that the scriptures tell us that God is compassionate towards you. In the midst of your struggle, God is compassionate towards you. God is near. He wants to help, and he loves you. Now, this does not mean that he won't judge or punish sin. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about those things. Of course he does, and he will. But it does mean that he wants to be compassionate, that he will be compassionate. So if you would turn back to him like the prodigal son and run to him and repent from your sin and follow him, he will welcome you with open arms. God's desire is that you would not perish but have eternal life. God's desire is that you would experience his power and his presence and victory over sin. God's desire is that you would know him as your father. God wants and desires to be compassionate towards you. He wants to meet you right where you are in this moment, wherever you're watching this, and he wants to give you compassion. So turn to him. Maybe for the very first time, run to God. Trust him. As we talked about a few weeks ago, take off your mask. Stop pretending to be someone that you're not. Turn to God. He knows everything about you, but he loves you anyways. He knows the worst things about you, but he still wants to be compassionate towards you. 
And he revealed that most clearly in the cross when Jesus came and died for our sins and rose again. The ultimate sign of love, God has showed you his love and his compassion towards you. And so if you're listening to this and you feel like God has forgotten you, or if you don't know how God thinks about you, I want you to know this truth that God is compassionate and desires to be merciful towards you. So run to him. And then as we close out, I also want to take this truth and address our fathers. I want to address our fathers, both physical fathers and spiritual fathers. If we're going to love our neighbor well, we must see people as the father does, and therefore we need more fathers to show sons and daughters how to do this. We need more fathers in their homes to raise up sons and daughters who love neighbor and see them with compassion. We need more spiritual fathers to mentor young men and women to see them with compassion. We need more men who know how to be tough and gentle, who know how to be strong in their convictions with the Lord, who know how to be gentle and compassionate towards people. We need more spiritual fathers who can raise up a generation of people who love their neighbor. God has given you a significant task. I want you to see something and write this down. This is so important to me in terms of raising up the next generation. Write this down. We can see moments, get this, of neighbor love if we do this ourselves. If we just choose to go out and say, I can exercise compassion, I can learn to do that, we'll see moments but we can see a movement of neighbor love if we train the next generation to start with compassion. If we raise up a whole group of people who know how to start with compassion, who do it from a young age, instead of seeing moments here and there where God shows compassion through us, you'll see a movement of people who exercise compassion broadly. If we want to see God do more than a moment but work in a movement, our job is to raise up the next generation of people who will love their neighbor. I just want to tell you, Father, you have been given a great privilege, a significant task. Your work is not meaningless, though it may be difficult. God has given you the awesome privilege of raising up the next generation of those who will represent God, who learn to start with compassion, who can change the world around them through simply learning to see people as the Father does. And you spiritual fathers raising up and through mentoring and through time and investment, young men and women to see the world as Jesus does. This is so, so important. If we want to love our neighbor well, we must see people as the Father does. And we need more fathers physically and spiritually to show sons and daughters how to do this. You have an important role to play in God's kingdom. So as we close, we've said this a thousand times by now, right? If we want to love our neighbor now, well, we must see them as the Father does. And some of us simply need to go from blurry to clarity by getting an eye checkup, an adjustment. So in the same way you would go to the doctor to get an adjustment on your eyesight to get better glasses, stronger contacts so that you can see more clearly, sometimes our blurriness when we're looking at the world around us is simply because we haven't gone to the Father to get our eye checkup, to see people the way that we should. And the prescription for us is to go back to the doctor who is the Father, who we have his prescription in the Word of God, for us to get our eyes checked up so that we can go from blurry to clarity so that we can see people and situations the way that God does. 
And if we will do that and go back to his word, then God will give us eyesight to see people the way that he does, to see the world the way that he does, to see the situations around us the way that he does, to see the news the way that he does, to see the people in the news the way that he does, to see the people in this church the way that he does, see the people in our community the way that he does. If we want to love our neighbor well, we must see them as the Father does. And if we do, that will change everything, everything. So City Light Church, may we do that well, and let's learn to start with compassion. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you've been compassionate towards us, that you've been merciful towards us, that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. We pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see people the way that you do eyes to see them, ears to hear what they are saying. May we treat one another in the same way that you have treated us. May we learn to show the compassion that you have given us, to forgive in the way that you've forgiven us, to love in the way that you have loved us, to show kindness in the way you've been kind to us, to extend grace in the way that you've been gracious to us. We pray that you would take these amazing truths in the scriptures and that city light would be a place that loves their neighbor well. May you continue to teach us to do this. We submit this time to you. We ask for your help, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.